Hi guys, welcome back to my Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefanie. Today I've got Maria Lessi with me. Marie is touching upon something that we are pushing away from us more and more and more in modern society, and that is indeed death and loss and grieving afterwards. There was a time when when death was part of life and we were there when people died, they often died at home. And there was a certain kind of part and parcel of that. Nowadays, that is all gone. We do no longer do home kills. We are we are buying the meat in the in the in the pack and safe or in any kind of, of groceries. We we it's it's an artificial life that we're often living. And as such, when death knocks on the door in our families, we're often so unprepared. And today I want to actually change that. I want to actually talk about loss and grief and how it affects us and some of the myths and some of the crap that is around uh, that topic. And for that, Marie, I'm so grateful that you have come onto my show. Thank you so much for having me, Stefan. I'm really happy to be here and I'm really looking forward to busting some myths around grief and uh, yeah, sharing a few other ways to deal with it. Mm. And it's weird. As I said, it is, uh, we, our society has changed. Uh, we are no longer this kind of more extended family where there are connections and one experiences the loss within the family. But, you know, our society has changed, certainly in the Western world. That might not apply to all our listeners. Mm. But have you, prior to you losing your husband, have you had been exposed to grief? Have you had been exposed to, was death part of your family? Or was yeah, that something that yeah. happened to people in a hospital? No, it was, unfortunately, it was something, uh, part of my family quite early on. Um, I think the earliest death in our family that I remember was around five years old, maybe, when my grandfather died. But it was sort of on the sidelines, you know, I, I wasn't really deeply affected by it um, because I was so little. Um, I was 12 when my grandmother died and she died in our house. My family looked after her for the past 18 months before she passed. I was 20 when my dad passed away. That was the first death that has truly affected me really deeply. And um, because it was at an age where you don't expect it, my dad was only 46 and died of yes. cancer. And uh, after he had survived the first treatment round, I honestly thought that he would survive the second one and he didn't. So that really threw me for quite some time for at least over a year I was completely off path I had no idea how to deal with it I was not taught how to grieve properly and how to deal with it and then um yeah I lost a very close friend in his early 30s uh, and then my husband when he was 45 so it was very similar age to my dad uh probably a different story my husband had a brain aneurysm, so there was no pre-warning. There was no history of cancer. Like with my dad, uh, Rob went on a business trip and never came home. So, yeah, it was not my first exposure. And just very recently, actually, four weeks ago, my husband's dad passed away, and that was the very first time that I was actually present when somebody took his last breath, and I was there to to hold him and to be with the entire family we all came together and that I thought was so beautiful and so many cultures actually do that they come together as a family mm. they hold that person in love while he or she is passing and 
we had that chance to do that. It was my first chance ever to actually say goodbye to somebody and I took that chance because I never had that before. So I felt very blessed to be there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And there is so much to be said about that because that makes it part of life to be there mm. and mm. to have this privilege. To, yes, to, absolutely. I call it the same. As an anesthetist, I would have been covering so many times the intensive care unit. And mm. it is clear that sometimes patients will not make it out of there. Yeah. And I've seen some horrific lonely deaths and i've mm. seen especially here in new zealand where there are larger families speci uh, specifically the pacific islanders and the maori mm. Um, mm. there can be some beautiful spiritual experiences mm. that yeah. that really celebrate the yeah. person's life mm. and are creating a natural moving on to whatever yeah. there is after life isn't so, that beautiful yeah indeed indeed right yeah. and that is beautiful to see when it happens uh, mm. but i think very I few agree. people will actually get the opportunity to experience that because mm. certainly if i look at my my family i mean my family was dysfunctional and mm. uh broken and we were mm. all bloody broken and yeah. so it is no great role models, no much love lost and probably quite a bit of mental health and personality mm. disorders thrown in. So yeah. you can't always um, expect the most beautiful end of a life when the whole mm. life was shit. So but the way I, I, I hear you talking about your family, there's a lot of respect and there's a lot of a lot of um yeah kindness. that's my husband's family i have to say because when you said your family is dysfunctional i thought hmm, sounds very familiar to my family <laughs> so i'll talk about my husband's family here but right. uh yeah i have healed a lot um my relationship with my mom completely different podcast probably but uh it came out of rob's passing and i healed my relationship with my mom and uh, i'm happy to share a bit more about that because there was I actually do want to share this now quickly, if that's okay. Mm, of course. Please. One thing when you said, uh, you know, spiritual journeys and spiritual connections, um, everybody's got such different spiritual beliefs to how you live your life, where you come from, where you go after you pass. And I completely respect that. My own um, deeply spiritual belief is that Rob and I had a soul contract and that this was part of it. And I came to this realization very shortly after Rob died. It was nothing that I had thought about before or that I had completely and fully understood before, at least not on a conscious level, on a soul level probably. And I really I really came to that conclusion for me that I thought this is part of our journey. We have chosen that on a soul level. And again, you know, everybody has got different beliefs. This is my belief and I'm not trying to force it upon anyone. Yet when I shared that with a friend of mine before I was open to actually talk about it on a podcast as well, um, now it's something so normal to me. She said to me, you really need to read this book, um, Sacred Contracts by Caroline Miss. And I said, okay. So I, I started with one chapter and it really got to me because I realized the reason why I had to read this book was not because of Rob and I. I had already understood that, why all of that happened. But it was because of my mom. I recognized while reading this book, the soul contract that I had with my mom and it gave me so much peace that everything I had tried to fix between the two of us ever since my dad passed away, we had a really not so good relationship. Um, so I'm talking like 30 years, 30 years of, you know, not 
great relationship with mom was completely healed just by reading this book and just by understanding that this was our soul contract. And now, yeah, we're in a really good space. So it's incredible. You know, I, I truly feel that once you choose healing, we'll talk about that later as well. You know, healing is a choice. Once you choose that path, that you'll always meet the right people, the right books, the right nudges, whatever. So once you open your heart to it, they come from everywhere. <laughs> absolutely love it. And I absolutely mm. agree with that uh, in yeah. the sense that the body or the universe or whatever is out there, mm. if you believe in Jesus or in, in Allah, whoever whoever yeah. maybe pulls the, the frets of this this mm. funny puppet life yeah. uh you once you open yourself uh the healing can begin and often it mm. it begins in areas that you would have never thought about yes um oh yeah and that is the beautiful <laughs> thing that is this that is what you you discovered with the relationship mm. with your mom and mm. it might sound like weird to the listeners, but I've experienced similar things as part of my recovery, as part of my healing. Mm. I must mm. say that I uh, that relationships changed with people. Some mm -hmm. fell away completely, and oh, not just yeah. because they were no longer drinking partners, but just yeah. because I changed mm -hmm. um, and I became a different man as part of my healing. Of and course, part yeah. of my core beliefs may be changing mm. and me yeah. paying attention to different things in my life. Yeah, and, that is and it's part of your different choices as well. You know, exactly. I love that. Mm. But and it's choice. And let's come back yeah. to you there because when uh, I'm actually quite stunned because you had been exposed to a number of deaths. Mm -hmm. When I go back in my life, there were a number of deaths too, but often, well, all of the time, I was never there. I was either mm. in a different country or on yeah. a different town. And then suddenly yeah. you get a phone call, your dad mm. is dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. that, that's about it. I was never part of it. I had never yeah. seen death in my own family. Yeah. I've seen it plenty of times in my work, but that's yeah. different. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Isn't it? You're detached. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, but you were not detached. Was that no. something that you're your parents tried to achieve was that actually something no, done purposefully to you absolutely not no it just it was just how it happened in our lives right. you know it, it was nothing that we had purposefully like put on our path um yeah. you know to build resilience or whatever yeah. the reason could be for that yeah. but yeah. it just really happened yeah yeah uh, because there's there was a generation when those kind of things were happening in the hospital and kids mm. should never be exposed to that yeah so therefore, it was that well, kind of according false. to who? Yeah, well, touche. Mm, certainly, yeah. certainly in 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 Germany, and certainly in my family, there was this kind of nah, you don't need to see that yeah. kind of a a yeah. belief, whatever this was. And mm. I find that so wrong. I find yeah. that, especially as as a doctor, birth yeah. and anything in between and death, that is all mm. one journey. Yeah, I've, seen life, all. Yeah. I've seen yeah. it all and I try to mm. instill that in my in my children mm. that all that is normal um you can't just only take the sweet stuff in the between and yeah. the start and the end nah that's, yeah. that's anything yeah. that has diapers we forget no I remember <laughs> my mom actually called us down when uh my uh, my grandmother died and said, you know, she looks so peaceful. Do you want to see her? And I walked in and I thought, yeah, she really did look so peaceful. And uh, 
with my dad. Uh, we went to a hospital after he passed, and I remember uh, seeing him. And I remember, you know, you being hospital staff, you might be so able to understand and relate to what I'm saying here now. Um, and I know it might sound confronting, so a bit of a disclaimer for those listening, but when we came to a hospital, my dad was still warm because it had only been an hour since he passed. And I remember holding his hand and he really felt like he was holding my hand, which obviously, you know, he had passed. But I actually pulled a sheet over him because I didn't want a hospital staff to do that as their part of duty. It, it was so hard for me to do that because it was such a final act. And yet I knew how important it was that I did it and not hospital staff. And fast forward, you know, all these years later, when Rob passed, we went to the mortuary together, my boys and I. They were 10 and 8, and I gave them the choice. I explained exactly what it would be like because I had experienced it, so I knew what to look out for. And I also knew that this time, and again, very confronting, the body would be cold because it was two days before we could see him. Rob was on the other side of Australia. We had to fly from Sydney to Perth five hours, and by the time we got there, the mortuary was closed, and then we had to wait for another day. So it like, two days had passed before we could see him, and uh, and I had to prepare them for that. I gave them the choice. There was no question that I would take them to Perth with me because I thought their dad had just flown to Perth and didn't come home. Imagine I'm now flying to Perth. I can't do that to them. Of course. They'll have to come with me. Of course. But I gave them the choice whether they wanted to come into the mortuary or not, and both wanted to. And I'm so glad they did because I thought – it was really important for them to to have that closure, to see him. And it was an incredibly bonding and beautiful and sacred moment to be there, the four of us together for the last time. So I thought, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. And no doubt you are leaving a legacy there and mm. you're bringing closure to something. But what strikes me with both of these occurrences is that you chose to take action. Yeah. You took back some of the control. Mm. And absolutely. You were you were not the victim. You were not paralyzed in your grief yeah. and in your fear. Yeah. But you actually analyzed the situation on a subconscious mm -hmm. level and made a decision and acted. And that I was think beautiful I was still, to hear. Yeah. Thank you for honoring that. I I know that after my dad passed, I fully slipped into victimhood, really did for uh, about 10 years. Uh -huh. And that's when I recognized it. I did not recognize it for a really long time. Yeah, I was really stuck in a massive poor me state for over a year after dad passed. And then I was still in victimhood for a long time because that's my mother line. That's my family background. Uh, I shouldn't just call it on my mother line. That's my family background. They knew how to play victimhood role. They really <laughs> knew that really well. So I learned it really well. I was like champion at it. And then when I recognized it, I yeah. really disliked it deeply. And I did something about it. I changed my state around that. I I went into therapy. I worked on myself because I did not like the way I looked at life. So I changed it. But again, it's a choice, you know. Healing That's is a interesting. Choice. Mm. What changed after 10 years? Um, what changed was, first of all, I moved to Australia. Uh, I moved to Australia when I was about 31, I think. Yeah. And... Um, and through 
moving to Australia, I think that was my first really big choice to say yes to life, to say yes to what I wanted, to my absolute dream. I stepped forward into this is my dream. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to be. And I think with that, there was also that change of, well, who do I want to be? Because it was a completely fresh start. And I looked at everything that I liked and didn't like about me. It wasn't a conscious process back then. But then when I realized what I was doing, I very consciously worked on it. So first it started off as a you know, subconscious, unconscious process, and then it turned into full-on choice. This is what I love. This is who I, and, you know, 10 months after I moved to Australia, I met Rob. I met my husband. And I was like, this was such a soul meant to be, you know, and another right. 10 months later, we were married. If anybody would have told me that, you'll move wow. to the other side of the world, meet your, you know, future husband and get married <laughs> 10 months later. I'm like, no way, Jose, not me. You know, exactly. like if he's Mr. Right, he'll still be Mr. Right in two to five years, whatever, you know, but Rob proposed five months after we met. And I was like, of course, <laughs> it was no doubt. So, yeah. Mm. excellent you just don't know what life brings and sometimes yeah <laughs> the i best have to tune plans. in some violins in that part <laughs> when i tell it sorry oh, priceless. It. <laughs> priceless no it is what it is and mm. that's interesting so again you you started taking control of a situation yeah. but uh it is i love to hear that you admit to this pity party and i oh, lived yeah. in that i wallowed in that mm. so much and, anger and i was and, great at it <laughs> anger and resentment yeah. were yeah. uh were my predominant uh emotions in mm. response what they did to me what this life yeah, did to me exactly. um yeah. and it took me to the mid-40s when i was in rehab when mm. i got challenged on that um, for me, suddenly to realize, hang on, maybe there is something where I have contributed to some of the mm. mess that I was in. So taking mm. ownership of some of my yeah. decisions. Huge, and, then the question, and then the question of, okay, well, where, who do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Um, and that is something that I have never been asked on that level. And mm. now I was challenged with it. So yeah. you made that choice by moving to australia um yeah. so and fair call once you've made one big choice it's much easier to do another mm. big choice and another yeah. big choice I've i didn't even realize how big it was people always said that is huge you moved to australia is that in your life at the age of 31 and i was like i just followed my dream i just well, went exactly. where i wanted to be i didn't realize how big it was till i was here and had to deal with visa situations and all of that so yeah anyway yeah. but that's only five percent of the population are those kind mm -hmm. of go-getters who actually follow their dream um so mm -hmm. they're well exactly touche um <laughs> but and and again that is that is either if you're forced into that position or you choose mm -hmm. that position you're you're yeah. suddenly taking action and therefore mm -hmm. it makes it a little bit easier the next time again to take action yeah, having true, said yeah. that like um, uh, uh, having said that let's come back to the to the loss because mm. ultimately here you were living life to the fullest um mm. yeah. you met mr right um mm -hmm. children came along two of mm -hmm. them um mm -hmm. 
How was and all by choice? All by choice. <laughs> I love there it. We go. <laughs> and by taking action. Yep. I oh know. yes. <laughs> Different podcast. <laughs> Different podcast. That's right. <laughs> yes. See, social distancing. You were never good in that, were you? <laughs> that would have not worked. No, not at all. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Come on, this is a serious podcast. <laughs> no, you. So you were living your life. What were you doing? What was yeah. your profession? I actually worked, so when I first met Rob, I worked in advertising. And then when we had kids, I chose to leave the advertising industry because I've never seen anybody combine family and career successfully. Mm. I was already quite advanced in my career at that stage and I didn't want to progress any further. Mm. I knew I would leave. And um, I had the plan to stay at home for about three to four years until mm. the kids are old enough to go to preschool we, we had it all mapped out we wanted two kids we wanted to wait till they're old enough for preschool and then I would go back into the workforce mm. um then the plan was scramble a little bit because we decided to buy the house before and not when I go back to the workforce and uh so I went back a little bit earlier than I had planned so about after three years so yeah the, the kids were three and one and I literally stumbled into the self-development world. I applied for a job where they were looking for somebody in sales. I was so not passionate about it, but I just wanted something to add to the budget, you know. Mm. And when I, they said, look, that's what we do. Come to a retreat weekend, you know, all expenses paid for. We just want you to know what we do. And if you like it, we really like your CV, then welcome on board. And that was a self-development workshop. And I remember sitting in there going like, I want to do that. I don't want to do sales for you. I want to do that. This uh -huh. is incredible. And that was my first real, um, you know, yeah, dipping into the self-development world that weekend. And uh -huh. I said no to the sales job and I signed up to become a coach and I just loved it. And then they offered me a job as a coach and I said no again. And I went on and started my own business and I did that for about seven years. So my, my main focus was always mindset and sort of relationship connections. And, but it was business related, which was really quite an interesting niche. So I worked on the personal growth to achieve business growth with the people that came to me. And yeah, that's what I was doing when Rob went on a business trip and never came home. And then when he didn't come home, I'd close that business down. I did it for over seven years. And uh, looking back now, Stefan, I know that without that, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now because it gave me that background in mindset and it gave me so many tools that I was now really put to the test to use on myself, you know, the really shifting my perspective because every healing that you do has got an element of shifting your perspective. I was about to ask, I mean, I there were not many self-help books that I not read uh, over my years. Mm. Um, yeah. I was ex excellent in picking up nuances in others. I mm. could see a d addiction a mile away. Depression, yeah. are you, the moment you walk through the door, I can, I can tell yeah. you. Especially when you've experienced it yourself. No, 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 no. I was out of oh. ground. I could see it in okay. everyone else. I couldn't okay. see it in myself. I couldn't see it in my wife. I couldn't see yeah. it in me. I was complete denial and complete everything. So, and whilst I was very good in helping others, I was yeah. lousy in helping yeah. myself. So yeah. were you focused on others or were you actually yeah. from the word go when you started that weekend yeah. and then the journey that followed, were you yeah. actually putting your money where your mouth is or yeah. were you always focusing on others? Mm. 
I, I can I can so honestly answer that. And that's but that's exactly what I meant when you said, oh, you didn't see it in yourself. But that's exactly what I mean. When you have experienced yourself, you see it in others. You mm, don't put it. That's a reflection part, you know. Gotcha. So we are really, really good in seeing the reflection of everything we have experienced. And sometimes that's the exact path that then leads us to our own, that then leads <laughs> us to discover okay. our own, because it's easier to see in it others first. And it's exactly the same. So. Uh, absolutely was I focused more on others first. I was so, um, like in particular with the first one, uh, with the first business in in coaching. And then when Rob passed, I I had no idea what that would turn into. You know, uh, about five months after Rob died, I shared our story in a book. I just wanted to share um, Leave a Love Legacy for Rob and also maybe one day for the boys to read it and my biggest wish was that it would on the way sort of you know leave hope and a different direction or perspective for others that would read it what i didn't expect was that the book not only became an amazon number one bestseller but it actually ranked in the top 100 of australia and i was like what you know i I really did not expect that it was our story it was not you know it was not my intention to um that this would become so big and after the book came out, I actually traveled around the world with the boys for two months. I took them on a on a huge trip. I wanted to create new and happy memories and just take them away from all these first milestones with our dad. And when I was in Vienna, where I'm originally from, all of a sudden I had this epiphany. I'm like, I've got something the world needs. The world needs that hope. The world needs that shift in perspective. And I there and then decided that I needed to do something more with that. I had no idea what yet, but I knew I would start some sort of group, some sort of movement, and everything just unfolded from there. It was literally like the path presented itself. And this is a long-winded way to come back to your original question. Everything that I did in this group when I started a movement, I chose to use my background in mindset coaching combine it with my own personal experience and i created i started creating healing journeys for people Mm. so everything that i felt i did for others but every time i helped others it gave me it became this upward spiral out of grief which was incredible and yeah i i it just really unfolded it literally unfolded in front of me and it was literally some somebody had just created this path for me and all I, all I had to do was walk it you know mm. and own it mm. and that is the post-traumatic growth that is mm. such a beautiful love that uh, transformation love yeah indeed mm. because we, we we are going into this trauma and you're initially hit over the head and you think what yeah. the hell and yeah. you have no idea where that leads you yeah and there are so many so many traps that follow thereafter because mm. if you have never learned to deal with your with your negative emotions then mm. something like that can completely derail you oh yeah i mean my, yeah. my fallback plan would have been to get pissed and that's mm. for breakfast um yeah so i was there a temptation for you to escape reality 
absolutely, 100%. And uh, I remember the night we all came together, like after I had to share the news with the boys, I drove over to Rob's parents' place because I thought this is no news that I want to deliver over the phone. Mm. And um, then everybody started coming over, you know, the, the siblings and even neighbours, uh, other family members. And I remember sitting there watching them. And this is literally, I, I honestly, this is, I need to tread carefully here. This is with no judgment, but they all started, you know, having their glasses of wine and all. And, and I sat there and I thought, I need to keep my head straight right now. I need to stay so present. I need to be there for the boys. And I had this intense realization that all they have now is me. And I knew there and then that I had to fully step up and own it. And it was. I, I shouldn't even say I have to or had to, I chose to. And that's a, a huge difference. You know, I chose to fully step into that and own it. And my escape from grief, and this is where the, the massive difference happened, was happiness. I chose to focus on happiness. I chose to do anything and everything in my mind that I had that I could do to create the happiest life possible for the boys because that is a promise that Rob and I made to each other when we thought it was theory, when we thought, oh, you know, what would you do if? We had these what-if conversations a couple of times, but they were theory, and then all of a sudden they were reality, and I'm like, that's what we promised wow. to each other. I said, if anything ever happens to me, you have to promise me to take the boys and create the happiest life ever possible, and I knew that's what I had to do. And it was not easy. It was not flick the switch and the next day I was happy. It became a North Star for everything I did. Everything. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you guys had thought about it and therefore, and that's again, how mm. how uncommon is that? Mm. Um, maybe somewhere along the line you have a little discussion, but never a meaningful discussion or mm. rarely a meaningful discussion to actually yeah. hear that again maybe that made you a little bit more prepared maybe mm. a bit more prepared for life savvy yeah. streetwise whatever the mm. words you choose um yeah. you you had thought about it and therefore mm. that gave you gave you actually a a head start so to speak yeah and of yeah. course you're a mama bear okay mm. and now you have got the cups yeah. Don't stand between Mama Bear and the cops. Don't doesn't work. exactly, mm. exactly <laughs> right. So there is that yeah. coming out of you. Mm. So there are a lot of things Absolutely. happening here at the same time that yeah. maybe a man has difficulty understanding, um, mm. and depends upon your on your core beliefs and and your 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 the way you were brought up. Um, mm. If someone was brought up like a man is a man. Mm. The only two emotions you're allowed is first and, and hunger. cry. Yeah, that's yeah. right. All that shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. bullshit. Uh, but mm. if you have got that core belief and you 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 really subscribe to that, um, mm. you don't go out there to seek help. Whilst yeah. you oh, yeah. were able, you already had taken the journey to seek mm. help. The seeking help and mm. and sharing your story was part of what you wanted your your clients to do is mm. part of them you you sort of the the power of their growth after trauma so therefore yeah. it was much easier for you to take similar steps mm. so you had an advantage there but then mm. again sometimes life is beautiful this way because 
here you were armed already with mm. a set of skills that others yeah. don't have. You know, Stefan, sometimes when I look back, I honestly think that everything that happened in my life was a preparation for what I'm doing now. Yeah. Like even, you know, looking back, my, my grandfather, like my dad, all these things that I was dealt and how differently I dealt with it back then and how I would deal with it now. It was all a preparation. It was all, a, uh, I think there was a lot of learning how not to do it. And then I realized I often in my, in my work now, I often talk about the hidden gifts in adversity. There are mm. always hidden gifts in every adversity. Absolutely. It's just a matter of, you know, are you open to seeing them and are you open to Absolutely. receiving them? Absolutely. This is the work I do. I help people to allow them in. And one of the biggest gifts in my dad's adversity was that living life with so much more intention. And really being in this, sharing my emotions, telling Rob how much I loved him. And I told him every single day, not mm. not out of fear that one day I couldn't tell him, mm. but out of, well, if I don't tell you, I'm going to burst because I love you so much. You need to hear it. And he was the same. And we were very in tune and very connected, so much so that I actually rang the hotel when it happened. I said to him, can you please send somebody up to my husband's room? I have a feeling something happened to him. And can you please check in a shower? I had this split second of a vision of him collapsing in a shower and I didn't want to buy into it, but we were so connected. And then they sent somebody to the room and that's where they found him. They found him in a shower. He had a brain aneurysm in the shower and died there. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of connection and very in tune and uh, I don't take any of that for granted ever. It's just an amazing gift, an amazing blessing. And a legacy that drives mm. you forward and that you yeah. have harnessed you have harnessed that power you have mm. harnessed that energy and yeah. are now creating good out of it and Thank what you. better way can there be to make sense out of mm. grief out of yeah. loss out of sadness yeah. than yeah. actually to kick ass and mm. make sure that maybe if those things happen to others that you can arm them with the skills mm -hmm. that helped you, the yeah. insights that that you had, the lessons you had to learn the hard way. That's mm -hmm. why not everyone needs to go through the same crap uh, yeah. in the same traumatic way. But maybe there's yeah. it's just just that that bit of an easier path ahead if mm -hmm. with people like you by their side. Yeah, but of course, no one Thank ever thinks you. about that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no one ever thinks mm. about that. No one ever no. ever uh, listens to a podcast like that mm. um, unless you suddenly have experienced a loss. That is yeah. the typical scenario. No one yeah. learns, goes out there and says, cool, which life skills should I learn today? Oh, mm. grief. That's right. We haven't touched <laughs> upon that. Let's do a yeah. weekend of grief, shall we? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah. Although it is, yeah, these are, these are things that... It's, it just comes to my mind. Here I mm. am, big mouth, uh, saying, oh, really, all these life skills. And my book, mm. My Steps to Sobriety, here on, on the back is all these life skills there um, where mm. I talk about the difficult things. Mm. Have I actually talked to my boys about grief? Have mm. I actually spoken with yeah. them honestly about it? No, I haven't. Mm. So I've yeah. just had to look in, in, in the mirror here myself mm. Um it is hard to have these difficult discussions and it's hard to 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 do that when I'd been... like to hmm? 
I'm sorry. Ladies I didn't want to interrupt you. Uh, I'd like to actually shift everyone's perspective around here, um, around this topic here. I do not think, and that might come to a surprise with the work that I do, but I do not think that it's so important to talk to your kids about grief now uh, because there's still time when yeah. adversity hits you to do it then. What I do think is more important is to talk about uh, the truth in life, you know, that it is possible that people go early and that uh, it is more important to talk about what you actually want to do with your life. Who do you want to become? What do you want to do? And not, oh, what happens if I don't want to raise my kids in fear, you know, that something could happen. And here's the point, because we have experienced it. They have experienced what it's like to lose a parent. So naturally, Mm. I remember... Uh, for the first couple of months when I finally came to senses, and I'm saying that because the first few months I was literally in functioning mode. I was just, okay, next step, next step, next step. How can I make them happy? How can I protect them? I fully stepped into protector role. I was complete mama bear. I was watching them like a hawk and whatever other animals you can throw in there. I was literally just in protector mode the entire time. And when I came to these senses where life sort of became a bit more choosing and being in the moment and really coming to uh, more into consciousness again, I had this thought, how on earth will I talk to my boys about what if something happens to me? Mm. I need them to know, yet I don't want them to be scared. Mm. And then one day Flynn rocks up. That's my older one. He was 11. So it was uh, about maybe almost a year after Rob died. I don't know why, but May just came up. So it must have been 11 months um, after Rob passed. And he said to me, um, I was in my little one. I can't remember now, but we were the three of us together and we had this conversation. So what would happen if... And I said, you know what, I'm actually really glad that you asked me this because I did want to talk to you about this, but I didn't want you to be scared. Oh, my God, you know, now something could happen to mom. I said, look, we all know more than anyone that we have no guarantee. So I did talk to them about this. You know, the option is there. It could potentially happen. And I said, but you know what? I always had the feeling that I would have a really long life. I always thought that I would turn 93. (laughs) And Jed, my little one, looks at me like, why 93? I said, I don't know. I was like, no, I'm a three. Three times three is nine, 93. You know, it like, sounds like a cool age. But it's like, can you can you try to make it to 100, mom? And I said, sure, I'll try to make it to 100. <laughs> and so we had this really sort of light, beautiful discussion yeah. around it. Yeah. And then uh, something happened that really <sighs> rocked me to my core. Flynn looks at me and says, um, and as I said, he was 11 at the time. He said, mom, I need to tell you something. I don't know how to say it. I said, just, it's okay, Flynn, you know, just say it. We're talking about really deep topics here, so, Mm -hmm. you know. And he said, um, I have to say our lives have sort sort of gotten better since that passed, and my heart sunk. I'm like, what? And I didn't say anything. I'm just, you know, just smiling away from the outside and, and breathing in while he's talking. And he said, it's not because he passed. It's because of what we made of it. I was like, jaw drops to the floor and I was like wow 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 and I said thank you so much for saying that because that was the very moment where I received this most beautiful proof from my 11 year old son 
that I was on the right path despite so many people going like, what is she doing, you know? Is she even grieving her husband properly or is she still in shock or in denial or all that stuff, you know? And I'm like, yeah, anyway. Wow. Incredible, incredible moment. Oh, I'm so pleased that you had that experience because that living intentionally that is Mm. coming out of being in the darkness and and understanding that it is a privilege Mm. to take or to make choices. Yeah, and no longer taking life for granted. And I think mm. that is that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I took my young man to a business seminar, business weekend, uh, real estate investment, and things mm-hmm. like that. And we had to do an exercise. And there's sort of the the kind of uh, whole number of squares, ten across, mm-hmm. and then hundred down. And then mm-hmm. they said, well, you know, in in our society here, the average age of men dying is 83. So cut out mm-hmm. the last line and then seven yeah. there. So yeah. now take your pencil and take your age, cross all those lines out. And these mm-hmm. are the years that you've got left. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And I looked at a few squares there and I thought, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I, I must have sunk there. Yeah. And my son looked at me took that whole thing from me and started drawing new squares uh-huh. who says that 83 is the number and he did I more squares oh there my here. God, I love take him. it back <laughs> and that oh, is that is so beautiful when yeah. children accept that there it's is so that we can't be there mm. forever yeah. at mm. the same token making yeah. the most out of it and out yeah. of that come the moments Incredible. that we that we actually can really shine and you have chosen that path i love that i love that so much absolutely i need to ask you though a few questions though i mean one of the things is that that there might be people who who listen to that interview from different societies where Mm. the society expects you to grieve for a year let it be roman catholic church or let it be i don't Mm. know what the the rules are for hindus or for 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 other religions or Um, if italian even 10 years yeah oh my goodness different rules well exactly what (laughs) do you make out of that yeah yeah nothing uh so the key word that you said here is uh expectation Mm. i really and i'll say that very respectfully could not care less of what others expect of me i honestly mean it because (laughs) I am put here on this earth to make a difference, to live yeah. a happy life. And I think that we all are. It's not just me. It's not all who Maria Alessi, because she founded this amazing movement. No, we all have been put on this earth to make a difference. Yeah. Some of us recognize it and others don't. Some of us act upon it and others don't. And this is a shout out to everyone listening to this. If you haven't found your purpose, reach out to somebody who can help you on that path. I'm happy to do so. I'm sure that Stefan will be happy to do so. And there is a billion other coaches out there uh, or mentors or whoever that is in your life. Find somebody who helps you do that because otherwise you are just an existence. And that's the exact same crap word like um, expectation. You know, it's not, there is no intention behind that. There is no, I don't know, like I really felt when Rob died, there was choices to be made. 
And Rob was the one who told me the concept of two choices, you know. So here I was. I'm like, uh, so many people. So this comes back to the spiritual belief. I think that Rob and I have chosen this. This was our sole contract. But even if you don't have that spiritual belief, even if you do sit there and go like, well, I haven't chosen to lose my husband. um, Probably not. Or maybe not. Let's just leave that aside. But you can still choose how you respond to it what you do with the life that has now been presented to you with the new path, with that complete fork in the road that you didn't expect, you know? So what do you do? You do have choices to make. And uh, even if you choose to just stay in bed and you're like, well, I'm I'm not choosing anything. That's still a choice. That's still a choice. So own it. And Um, I know that sounds very harsh, but I really mean that with a whole lot of love and respect. Exactly. And there is a time for that. There is a Mm. time for grief. There's a time for you going through those those precious moments of feeling Mm. the sadness, of feeling the emptiness, feeling all that, because that's part and parcel of it. Let's not be silly. Exactly it. It's part of it. And it's not the only thing. And that's where society makes a mistake in my eyes, that they don't recognize that sadness and grief can absolutely coexist with love and happiness and all of the fun part. And I'm not saying grief is fun, not at all. It's Mm. not. I I know that grief freaking hurts. It sucks. It actually, I still remember the physical pain it caused me. I was laying in bed the first night after, after Rob died and I had both my boys to my left and my right in my arms, sobbing and crying themselves to sleep. And I was sobbing and I remember feeling like somebody had emptied a bucket of acid in my stomach. That's how physically it hurt. Mm. It was really a physical pain that I felt. And this is where I made the decision, you know, I have to now step up and do something. I have to create a freaking happiest life possible for the boys. And that did coexist for a really long time with the sadness, with the sobbing, even one complete uh, mental nervous breakdown that I had in our kitchen that actually triggered me to go to therapy. And this is when I realized that um, that grief actually meant empowerment for me. And I never saw that connection. I never saw the power that it gave me, mm-hmm. that I transferred it into, that I transformed mm-hmm. into. And I took all of that and created something with it. I took that as fuel, you know, because that is what I had learned to do. And a lot of that maybe happened at first on a subconscious, but then very quickly on a very conscious decision based. Um, yeah. But Whatever that is the word. exactly that is you start to live truly intentionally mm, and yeah. you ask yourself at every moment, do I want to do that? It is rare mm. for me nowadays to just sort of for things to happen i i must say that i it's not that i've got a meticulous plan my plan constantly Mm. changes but (laughs) um today i was i was uh, we needed to do some some shopping and so i Mm. took my youngest we we drove to Mm. to another town sorted the things out had a good long talk uh Mm. about things so spent Mm. intentionally some time together and then he said look you know, why don't you come with me? Um, mm. I always go to a certain spot there. I throw an axe. I was mm-hmm. in the, in uh, oh, recently away. So <laughs> come on, Dad. We throw an axe. And I said, love cool. it. 
good. I was in the past, I was knife thrower. Um, so yeah. I've never thrown an axe. Come on, let's do it. And we had a ball of a time. Now, mm. when when he said, come on, let's go, I was so not in the mood. Mm. But I chose, I made an active yeah. choice there. Yes, my body was For tired. Him. Yes, yeah. I could have, I had so many other things that I could have done. Yeah. But I made that choice. I, I love no, it. I want to spend that time intentionally mm. yeah. with my boy. And that is Throwing a new memory. That I is a it. new memory that yeah. the two of us are creating. And mm. that is happiness. That is intentional so living. I love it. Yeah. And we have good choices. We, every yeah. single day. We can every uh, single minute, every it. single second. Yeah. So therefore, it is what we do that defines us. It is that is what I did there. I think can be best described as integrity because it mm. is it is I wanted to do the right thing. Um, yeah. and the right integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. Yeah. In this case, yeah, he exactly. was watching. So maybe <laughs> yeah. doesn't doesn't yeah. completely work. But you know what I mean. Guys, mm. you have got choices. And yeah. if you if your body still needs to grieve in that passive role, then that's mm. fine. That's fine. And that's I love I, I love that so much that you say that because I always say you, people don't need support in a grieving. They need support in a healing. Because yeah. the sadness happens anyway. They don't need help with the sadness. It happens. It's there. But yeah. they do need help with the healing, with the yeah. happiness part. And that's why I have dedicated my life to showing people how to do that. I just freaking love it. It, it gives it? me so much joy, you know, and it's just a, the up, upward spiral again. Indeed. And it is yeah. there is power in a movement, power in mm. surrounding yourself with people who are um, who can focus on similar things that you yes. want to focus upon. Go yeah. back in time to the victim mentality that mm. your your family modeled oh. for you. You had surrounded oh, yourself not, not by <laughs> not by choice, but by nature. I was you had surrounded to, by yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly. So, and it's so yeah. much harder in such an environment to change and implement mm. change. Um, yeah. compared with if you actively choose a different team to surround yeah. you, a team of people who have been in, in maybe the same darkness as you, but who have yeah. gone now out the other end and yeah. can teach you ways, can share their stories. Mm. And you can share without guilt, shame, or or any kind of opinionated answer. You can share mm -hmm. your story, mm -hmm. however it you experienced it. Yeah. If and and that is the other thing. It is, it's so difficult because if you let's say we both go to a party and mm -hmm. we go to the house and I go to the front entrance, you go to the back entrance, and mm -hmm. I go in and I see this this beautiful couple there who are making out, lovingly dancing. Nothing. That would have wow. been Rob and I. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say this party is absolutely gorgeous. What a lovely party. And you come in the front entrance and there are two guys drunk who are fighting each other. And you think, wow, what a shit party that was. Yeah. It was the same party. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you saw different things. Mm -hmm. And maybe by you sharing your journey, by speaking out openly, you share yeah. your side of the story and someone else can share maybe a different part of a story. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you, you might get another glimpse of a, of a way of looking at things that you had not mm -hmm. considered. And yeah. that is the moment when you start growing. Absolutely. That is the moment when you start actually working through things. 
yeah. and maybe coming in to, perspective. Isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And But you need yeah. to do that. You can't mm. just lie on the couch. Nothing yeah. will shift And sometimes there. you just need somebody who's got the outside perspective to show you that and point it out. And, you know, you would be familiar with that, Stefan, uh, uh, family constellation. You've heard of that? Please teach us. Ah, oh, it's, it's a, a really beautiful way, as in looking at your family dynamic, and you can play that with people who volunteer and step in for, for people who represent family members. Uh, but you can also literally play that with cups. It, it's literally just to look at the dynamic, who's close to who. And anybody who hasn't heard of it, please Google it, Family Constellation, really fascinating. And what it teaches us is that we are all in a system together and to be taken out of the system or actively leave that system would actually threaten your survival going back to mm. cave time yeah Absolutely. you have to be part of the pack to survive mm. and that when you look at it as a being in a family of victimhood to leave that mm. it threatens your survival so you stay in that behavior if it's healthy for you or not <laughs> it's a different thing and now i'm I've, i'm actually taught in family consolation i love facilitating it and now i'm using it to show people their family before and after their loved one's passing and how it affects the family dynamic when you take that one person out of it and then all of a sudden people look at each other that might not have seen each other before or not actively look. Do you know what I mean? It is incredible. I mm. absolutely love working with that because it yeah. always brings you back to you want to stay part of the family. It threatens your survival if somebody leaves the pack. So mm. it's really fascinating work to look at that. So Yeah. The other thing, of course, that we need to acknowledge is that for you to try to move on might mm -hmm. be a very logical and good thing to do. But if there is, if if maybe someone else, for example, I'm making it up now, um, mm -hmm. let's say your father has passed away, your mother yeah. is completely lost and develops this now, this, this codependency or wants to have mm -hmm. this codependency with you, um, mm -hmm. where you mm -hmm. both... It sounds very leave. familiar. Go on, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so I didn't try to be so obvious, but I, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> but it is, you know, it is exactly yeah. that. Sometimes mm -hmm. grief uh, is uh, is giving someone secondary gains, mm -hmm. giving them Absolutely. A, a purpose yeah. in life. Now they yeah. can be someone, they can suffer, they can, yeah. and maybe with that suffering, gain attention attention love, absolutely mm. maybe monetary things yeah. Um, yeah. all of the above exactly and that yeah. is so so hard it is sometimes mm. it's it's important to recognize that there are yeah. different motivators happening in different parts of your family um, yeah and uh, other people around you that are affected yeah so, and this is also like with no judgment, that it's just how we are hardwired. Mm. We need attention. We need, uh, you know, we need the recognition of our emotions. So sometimes this is the only way how we have learned to portray that. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. It's no judgment. It's just mm. how we act, how we are brought up from our society. Mm. Other societies bring up their children by celebrating uh, a loved one's passing, by celebrating their life rather that's than, right. you know, yeah. the fact that they have passed. So that's yeah. right. Exactly. The Day of the Dead, uh, as an exactly. example in, 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 yeah, in, in Mexico. So beautiful. Uh, exactly. So, no, it is, uh, yeah, no, it's beautiful. Uh, we have choices and we have mm -hmm. got, we have got a life to live. And it's a privilege for us to live that life. And yeah. I think if 
there's a good reason for you guys out there who are tuning in today for that interview. There's a good reason that you're listening in. And maybe mm. it is just that you actually need to hear those words that yeah. the past does not equal the future. You have mm. you have grieved in your own way so long until now. The question yeah. is, how can it continue? How can mm. it how can you find meaning in that? in your in in the next day week month mm. is there a way forward that you can maybe do living amends that mm. you can maybe live a life so that others don't have to suffer i mean mm. you're doing that by by um focusing on happiness and mm. fulfillment after a loss there mm. are there are many examples, uh, for example, in, in the UK, there are three dads who have lost their uh, teenage daughters to suicide. Mm. So mm. these three dads, as they are known, are fundraisers. They are walking the length of the UK mm -hmm. and, and raising money and doing yeah. things like that. And they found purpose in that. I've got mm -hmm. a friend, a person who was on my show, who has done the same thing with the United States. And he mm -hmm. went one step bigger. He doesn't walk. So he yeah. actually did a big bus and mm -hmm. a wow. tour bus. He, he bought yeah. a tour bus. He has good mm -hmm. financial means. And he is on the tour through the United States. Um, so Jeff Johnson? Every... Yes. <laughs> I know him. I've interviewed him twice in my movement. I love him. <laughs> he is so exactly. incredible. Exactly. Hey, Jeff, because you're watching this. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. He's Indeed. actually coming back Brother. for a third interview to share what has happened on a tour. He's incredible. Oh, there you go. Absolutely incredible. There you go. Yeah. These are examples yeah. of living of undeterred. Yeah. <laughs> living undeterred exactly yeah. that is his his, his motto yeah, i didn't want to bring yeah. him in with with uh, we had oh, not talked awesome. about that but yes oh, yeah, you're yeah. right these are examples of people who have been in the deepest darkest yeah. inner hell yeah. Yeah. and who said now enough is enough yeah. yeah isn't it and mm. that is that is what is waiting for you if you're yeah. willing to harness that power and yeah. you have no idea idea where that where that power yeah. can drive you to. Mm. It can drive you to self destruction. Yes, absolutely. Mm. If you're just having yeah. a vodka bottle in your hand, man, yeah. I've been there. Okay, mm. I've been there. I drank that bottle and then opened yeah. the next one. We're talking mm. liter bottles of vodka. Yeah. It yeah, it might serve a purpose right now, um, mm. but there might be other ways how you can how you can live your life yeah the bottle drink it out finish it come on you might as well mm. um mm. but tomorrow morning hopefully hopefully you just remember that little bit and stefan mm. and marie sort of said yeah okay maybe, maybe there's mm. another way what can mm. you do to actually there is. The legacy? Hey? scrap the maybe there is <laughs> <laughs> okay touche. again i try to be diplomatic i don't try to no, tell people what it is diplomatic has been buried in the past no it's not needed anymore <laughs> he's an, an austrian and a german so you, you, you exactly. need to do yeah. that <laughs> no you don't need to do shit uh you can wallow in your in your pity party another year at five yeah, that's cool that, sure we yeah. have done that yeah it wasn't a nice but honestly, time. like with all jokes aside, Stefan, I think it is really important. People do need to find their own time when they're ready. You know, True. like uh, I have so many people that come into my group and they they say to me, 
I've been sitting on the sidelines for like two, three years exactly. before I actually participated, before I actually, but just being there. And that comes back to who do you surround, surround yourself Correct. with, you know, right. the people that support you, that surround you, uh, it really does have an effect on you. So find yourself a tribe. It doesn't matter if that's mine or ours or anybody else's, but find yourself a tribe who supports you in the healing, not in the wallowing. And exactly. then you'll know when you're actually ready to act upon it, but start with the the tribe that supports you. Yeah. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Mm. Marie, if, I mean, uh, there are no doubt people will say, wow, okay, she really got her shit together. Um, where, where can people find you? Where people, where can yeah. they go to actually hear more about you? Um, mm. Bring it on. I'm going to give you the shortcut and that's mariealessi.com. So it's just first name, last name.com. It's my website and you have, all the links to Perfect. my podcast, my interviews, our podcast will be there as well. If you send me the link, Stefan, <laughs> and then, you know, my books, my, my movement, yeah. you can just book a chat with me. Just start with that. If you don't know where to start, I do like brief conversations with people where I just send them on the path that works for them. That might be my movement. That might be just being in a group. That might be something completely different. I've started a resource corner in my movement as well, where I can, you know, so there's so much available and mm. sometimes the hardest part is just to do that first step, the <laughs> reaching out that is so, so challenging for everyone. So book a chat. I'm going to be so lovely and gentle with you, I promise. And just to listen, to have somebody who listens, who actually has walked a path is, mm. is a really good first step. Beautiful. And guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because you've got indeed there are all the links. And down there, <laughs> there will be also that little bell and the little subscribe mm -hmm. button there. Hit it mm -hmm. so that you actually see all the the, the other yeah. beautiful interviews that are coming onto my show. Marie, mm. tonight you are actually number you love the number free. You are actually free hundred and free. So there you go. <gasps> I love it. Three is <laughs> there my you number. Go. There Yay. you go. There you go. It was all meant <laughs> to be so in that sequence. Yes. Exactly. Love, love, so love and there are there are I've focused in the past with other other wonderful people on grief and their journeys. And it is there is there are the resources out there so mm -hmm. use them and yeah. and grow with them and let us plant the seed and let yeah. us let us tell you that there is hope yeah. there is help and the past does not equal the future okay mm -hmm. you don't know what your future yet brings but mm -hmm. if you if you follow some of the advices and if you follow maybe some of the the the, the people who are coming across your path you might find yourself soon in in such a beautiful beautiful new world that you you, you can't imagine it yet but it mm. is waiting for you i can assure you yes. that oh i love that i love it Stefan. marie thank you so much for coming onto my show this was a really really yeah. really good and very important topic to discuss and and yeah Please. Thank you so much for having me. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I love when conversations like that happen. They are Absolutely. so important. Thank cool. you. You guys out there, look after yourself. Bye for now. Dream on, dream on, dream on.